The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 12th Doctor's story, The Caretaker. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to stick around. We've got some of your great listener feedback at the end of the episode. You don't want to miss that. And I want to tell you that you will want to get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt featuring us as uh, some of your favorite doctors and the TARDIS. Or you can get it as a phone case Wait, or stickers. Which, which one of us is the TARDIS? Uh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a fat joke about sitting around the house, but uh, no, never mind. <laughs> I'm bigger on the inside. So uh, be sure to get your very own uh, The Secrets of Doctor Who merchandise by visiting sqpn.com slash merch, M-E-R-C-H. And I'll tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called American Catholic History. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash history. All right, we're discussing The Caretaker this time. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens? Clara is running herself ragged between spending time in the TARDIS with the Twelfth Doctor and spending time on Earth with Danny Pink. It's becoming increasingly difficult for her to keep her two lives apart, and in this episode, they smack right into each other. She thinks that she'll be able to spend time with Danny when the Doctor tells her he's got a side mission he needs to undertake alone, but it turns out that his side mission is going undercover where Clara and Danny work, at Coal Hill School, where the doctor poses as a caretaker or janitor, as we'd say in an American school. Comedy hijinks ensue as the doctor tries to fit in and Clara is panicking over why he's really there. And it turns out that he's really there because there's an alien battle droid nearby with enough firepower to destroy the world. The doctor's plan is to lure it to the school and then send it a billion years in the future where it can't hurt anyone. But they're no match for droidekas, because Danny has been snooping on what the Doctor's been doing. He upsets the plan, and so the battle droid only goes a little bit into the future. The Doctor, Clara, and Danny must then come to terms with their three-way non-romantic triangle, with Clara wanting to be with both the Doctor and Danny, but the Doctor and Danny really hating each other. When the three unexpectedly catch up with the battle droid in the timeline, all three must work together to defeat it, which they do, as the Doctor uses tech to pretend to be its superior officer and orders it to shut itself down. Afterwards, the Doctor takes one of the kids from the school, a girl named Courtney Wood, into space to get rid of the battle droid. Clara and Danny have a serious conversation about their relationship going forward, and we see a policeman that the battle droid killed getting welcomed into the afterlife, giving us a glimpse of Missy and her assistant, Seb. The end. The end. So uh, one thing to mention is that uh, Courtney, the, the attraction of Courtney, the, the student character from Coal Hill School, was this was a backdoor pilot for another mm. uh, Doctor Who uh, cinematic universe. 
uh, show called The Class, which didn't last very long. I, I, I gather it wasn't very good. Well, 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 there was a there was a spinoff called Class, and or it class. lasted for for like a season. But yeah. I didn't think I never saw it. But I don't think Courtney was in that. May, uh, I'm, it was uh, set in Coal Hill School, yeah. if I recall correctly. Uh, maybe she wasn't in it, but I, but I I kind of felt like uh, and now I'm, I was I made a mistake of going off of my memory of the thing, but I thought it was this was the foundation for that. Um, it, it was a spinoff well, series. It, it could yeah. have been a kind of concept episode, like you know, for setting Doctor Who stuff in a school. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they, uh, well, they spun uh, off of yeah. they spun off of Clara working at Cole Hill School to create class. Now, Clara is not in class, but it's yeah. very much spun off from that. Although, of course, it's not the same building because, of course, it can't be. But still, the doc- And the doctor does show up. In the at- first episode, yeah. Right, but that's about it. And that's one of the reasons why I think it didn't really survive is because it just, it you know, it was not connected enough to. Well, it was trying to be more like a, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 type show, as I understand it. I never, I watched like part of the first episode and gave up on it, but. It was uh, okay. more about the school drama than it was, you know, school drama with a little bit of sci-fi Doctor Who stuff tacked on it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I I looked it up and it, yeah, uh, Courtney doesn't show up. My impression is that it was kind of like an older version of the Sarah Jane Adventures without Sarah Jane. So I was I was very uninterested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, we get this story with the start of the story is very interesting. We're continuing this idea of Clara torn between. The doctor and Danny and this, 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 she's trying to have it all. And it, it, it's kind of a little bit of the, uh, play on the idea of the, uh, the working woman trying to have it all sort of thing where she's, she wants to have, uh, her boyfriend and her adventures with her doctor, I guess. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, and her career and yeah. a career. Right. Uh, and so we get this montage of Clara. It, it, one is where the, the Clara and the doctor are in on a desert like area of a planet where they're chained up. Sand piranhas are coming and they're having to escape. And then, then she's in the pub with Danny and he's commenting on how she's had a tan since that morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, but we do get one interesting moment. They're running down a corridor of someplace, of course. And the doctor talks, says something about how he hates soldiers. And so you can put a pin in that because that's obviously going to be a big part of this episode. Mm. And uh, so and then she, we get to this point where she's sitting in front of a mirror at home and she's like, I can't do this anymore. I have to give up. I can't do it anymore. And then the doctor shows up and says, I can't travel with you for a bit because I'm going deep undercover. And, uh, and, and so that draws her back in again, of course, because it's Clara. Um, did you notice that she can now snap her fingers to open and close the TARDIS doors? Oh, yeah. There's yep. a there's a nice scene that they're talking to each other in the TARDIS and immediately Clara is suspicious because the doctor is being nice. (laughs) And, and she says, why are you being nice? And he says, because it works on you. And it's like, duh, it works on everyone. Try it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Just be nice. Yeah. But then he's, she's doubtful of, um, of his ability to go deep cover, as he says. And he says, I can do deep cover. And she says, where the magic circle, (laughs) which is, which is a British magician society. Right. Right. And, and he, he snaps his fingers to open the TARDIS door and then she snaps hers to close it. 
to continue their discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, wow, you've come a long way with the TARDIS. It's now doing the snap thing for you. Clara, as the the companion turning into uh, the doctor sort of thing, we can see that progress happening. Yeah, although I just thought in terms of uh, of her, I mean, I'm kind of hypersensitive to that plot thread. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I I kind of don't want to overplay that because I th- that was her final exit, mm-hmm. and she had like a couple of exit plans before that, mm-hmm. and then and, and so I'm 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 kind of trying to check my knowledge of right. she's going to go too doctor like. Because that may not have been the plan all along. That may have been what Moffat came up with for her third exit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But uh, so I'm kind of trying to not read everything through that lens, even though I, I recognize it could. What I was thinking of is the TARDIS originally hated her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And did not did not trust her and was never going to do the snap thing for her. And now it's doing the snap thing. Yeah, she's been there long enough. Yeah. It, at this point, I don't feel like they've they've gone to the, the Clara doctor yet. They're not, you know, they're not even really working towards. I agree with Jimmy that this was this was more of the TARDIS saying, "Okay, I like you now." Yeah, I guess. But although in Modern Who, like every every companion starts to get a little too Doctor like at one point or another, like they start to acquire some of his abilities and sensibilities. Even in Classic Who, as I, I've noticed, mm-hmm. that well, happens. I don't. I, Clara is the one who's taken it too far. Uh, right. Other companions have acquired some skills that yeah. have made them a little doctor-like, but they have. I don't think they've taken it too far. Yeah, I didn't think of it as the uh, as the too far one, just as that that development of the companion to that level. But yeah, that, that's fine. And then mm-hmm. uh, we we have uh, the doctor, as you mentioned, showing up as that temporary custodian at Coal Hill, which which is we have, like you said, hijinks ensue, including him hanging out uh, outside her classroom window. And then commenting on like you got something wrong about Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, you know, on the on the board, and she thinks he's like going to claim to have had tea with Jane Austen while she wrote it, and he's like, no, no, I just read the bio in the book. It says right on that page. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> she was off by a year on the on the on the board. Yeah, there's one aspect of this at the beginning of the school day where. Danny and so they've been introduced in like a teacher's conference to the new caretaker who's the mm-hmm. doctor and Clara of course is is in, inwardly freaking out but pretending she's not and mm-hmm. Danny notices it and so then as they're going to their next engagement which is assembly Danny is is like do you know him and Clara's denying it but then she uses the assembly to get as an excuse she says oh you better get to assembly. I've got to do this other thing real quick. And she ducks back to talk to the doctor. And while she's there, he's he's giving her a little bit of information because she's correctly guessed people are not safe. Mm-hmm. But he says, but they will be if you let me get on with my mission. And he says at one point, it's assembly. You better get going. Go worship something. Yeah. And, and that's something that may not make any sense to a lot of Americans, because in our public school system, which I gather is the opposite of what people in Britain would call a public school, we would call that a private school. Mm -hmm. Um, But in our public government-supported schools, there has been nothing like assembly in decades. Uh, there uh, There were some famous, in particular, one famous court case back in the 1960s, where there had been prayer uh, in American public schools, you know, all the way down from the beginning, 
of the public schools uh, where people would like say the Lord's Prayer together as non-sectarian, but it was Christian. And and then in the 1960s, the um, disastrous Warren Court, among other things, it prohibited uh, school-led prayer. And this caused a huge sink in America. But the result is there have not been any any uh, school-sponsored assemblies in, since the 1960s no. in America. And so in in public schools and and so um so this is something outside of the american audience's experience now but in britain they all schools are mandated to have a religious a communal religious service it's not always christian because there are schools for muslim students and schools for jewish students and the humanists don't like it over there but there is a mandate to have a go worship something moment mm. in their schools now, I want to be clear, because we do use the term school assembly in, in the United States. However, what we yeah. are talking about school assembly in the United States is more like having a speaker come in, having a pep rally, something like that. This is basically having a prayer service in the, mm-hmm. the British context. Assembly is a prayer service at the school. I yeah. want to I'm be clear, because you, you did say we don't have public assemblies at public school. We do. We don't use that term, though. We don't right. have public I mean, prayer in, services in, in the British sense. We yeah. don't. In the British sense, we don't have assemblies, yep. but in the American sense, an assembly is just assemble the students together for some purpose. Right, 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 right. Which we always love because we got out of class. Yeah. So, <laughs> who cared what they were bringing us together for? Uh, so then we have this other scene where the doctor's in the uh, courtyard of the school messing with electrics, and uh, he's got Danny and another teacher standing there, you know, chatting with him as he does it. And the doctor has and this. And the, the other teacher looks remarkably like David Tennant and even has a bow tie. Uh, I thought it was more Matt Smith. Matt Smith. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not David Tennant. Matt Smith. Previous oh, okay. doctor is what I meant. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the as the doctor's talking to Danny, who he has now recognizes as a former soldier, he has this very rude inability to reconcile that a soldier could be a math teacher and not a what we would call a gym teacher or PE. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's kind of, it's really, not even kind of, it's really grating, the, the doctor's mm-hmm. attitude about soldiers in this episode. And it's so... And PE oh, teachers. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Dismissive yeah. of PE. Uh, well, it's, it's really, we've talked about this a lot, I, I guess, but it's really grating in this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I wonder if they amp this up. Because then they could have the scene later where Danny basically starts mocking the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, about, yep. because and because basically the doctor was an officer, if you will, in mm-hmm. the time war. And so Danny starts mocking him, recognize him that he's an officer. He's, you know, he's the one who gives commands. He's the one who likes war. But the soldiers are the ones who have to live the war, basically. Well, I think, I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense given the doctor's, his long friendship with the brigadier and the the other soldiers in unit. And I mean, it's one thing to be uncomfortable with war. I mean, to dislike war, that's fine and all this. But the disdain for anyone who serves in uniform is just, that's, well, this is... it goes beyond even the, the gun thing that, that we get from the, the, the 13th doctor, you know, the disdain mm-hmm. for weapons. It's like. I don't know. It feels hypocritical in one in on one. Well, hand. it's and it's this is kind of the logical conclusion of where they've been leading it in New Who, because there's always been you know like you know, the gun thing isn't something that was just new for the Thirteenth Doctor. That's all been throughout New Who. 
by the way, not in classic who. Yeah. The doctor's more than happy to use a gun when necessary. But also there has been kind of those snide remarks even towards unit. Right. About, you know, soldiers and all, at least the soldiers in unit, maybe not Kate Stewart, but definitely the, the soldiers in unit. And this is just kind of leading that in this whole season. There's been that. I hate soldiers. I, you know, I, I can't stand soldiers. Soldiers are worthless. Soldiers are less than me, you know, that kind of mindset. And so this was mm-hmm. kind of the logical conclusion, but this, it, it, I, I, I didn't like this episode when it first came out and I still don't like it because of this. It's just like, no, this, this is such a narrow minded thing. And I, and that's why I was glad at, at towards the end where Danny Pink calls him on it. Rightfully so. Yeah. The, the, you'll notice this episode is also a co-authored one because Stephen Moffat has a writing credit, and normally that's a bad sign yep. when when the showrunner has to step in and modify a script so much that he needs to get a writing credit. Because there's a certain amount of expectation. You, you send in your script, the showrunner's going to change it around a little bit, mm-hmm. but if he changes it so much that he needs a writing credit for union rules, then that's a sign that something wasn't working, or at least it, it commonly is. And so that may be part of what's going on here. At the same time, though, I think they've kind of painted themselves into a bad position, writing, Moffat has, writing-wise, because in wanting to make the Twelfth Doctor alien, the Twelfth Doctor suddenly, out of nowhere, has a bunch of inexplicable obsessions. Mm-hmm. Like his soldier obsession, you know, where he just hates anything that's connected with the soldier. And his he's got all of his interpersonal quirks where he doesn't understand people. Like in this episode, he thinks he and Clara are 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 basically, you know, the same age. That mm-hmm. they appear the same age when they clearly don't. And he also has this am I a good person obsession out of nowhere. And it, it, it's, it's like, okay, I get you're trying to make him alien, but just the quirks would have been enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, these other things are overdoing it. I mean, why? And then he, by, by the end of his run, he's become suicidal and only reluctant, out of nowhere, and yeah. only reluctantly agrees to regenerate again and become Jodie Whittaker. Well, okay, maybe that was foresight, but... Um, <laughs> Thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but it's just it's it's inexplicable in terms of the character but i th- and it comes off especially all his soldier ranting is ju- it's just irrational and mm-hmm. it makes the doctor look irrational but i think this is part of where they painted themselves into a corner they i think stephen moffat recognizes the doctor is being irrational and he's trying to use this as an example of the doctor is a flawed person he's not perfect because Danny Pink is right to mock him, yep. mm-hmm. and and Danny Pink is is telling the truth from the script's perspective when he's like, okay, he is an officer, and he has the potential to push you too far, Clara, and you need to tell me if that starts to happen, right? Um, because so that's all the script is on the side of Danny Pink there, which means the doctor is in the wrong, and so what Moffat is trying to do is show the doctor. At an, at an irrational phase of his life where he is hyper anti-soldier for no good reason and the script knows it's for no good reason, but that doesn't stop it from being grating on mm-hmm. the audience to hear him being, to hear him harping on this. Mm. You know, in that scene where Danny calls him on it, there's, as he, he ramps up the doctor's antagonism, you know, mm-hmm. by saluting him and calling him sir. And then 
he he says he turns to Clara and says, "That's him. Look at him right now. That's who he is." And that's really, I mean, that's calling the doctor out. That's really yeah. the writer, the the, the showrunner, really calling out the doctor they've created and the problem with him right there, and highlighting Clara's problem. Yeah, I kind of was at that moment. I I mean, I recognize the zinger for what it is, but I'm like, well, this is who he is at this moment. If I was Clara, yeah. I would say, well, that's who he is at this moment when you've just been antagonizing him. But that doesn't mean that's who he is all the time. Yeah, Danny brings up this idea of that's who you really are with Clara later, too. Like, I want to know who you are when you're with him. Like, I, right. all I know is you when you've been with me. But who are you? when you're gallivanting around time and space with him. And he's kind of obsessed with the idea of who people are really beneath this exterior, you know, that they show the world. And I, I kind of interesting that they're, they're, they're throwing that in there. Um, yeah. I, I, I like Danny. There's, there's a, there's a creepy element to that though. It's yeah. like, if someone said to me, well, I know what you're like when you're around me, but I want to know the real you, what you're like when you're at work. So let me follow you to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, um, you know, uh, that's a little creepy. Although given that she's been having this secret life of traveling through time and yeah. space with an alien, I might want to know a little bit more about that if I was in a relationship with someone. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd want to know about that, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would be, I want to know who you really are. And that's not who you are when you're with me. That's right. when you're gallivanting with him. That's, well, that's a little it, controlling. It, yeah. It is kind of a, a minimalization of who you know we are as people. You know, different elements of us come out differently depending on who we're with. Mm-hmm. How I interact with Dom and Jimmy here on the podcast is very different. How I interact with my parishioners—that doesn't mean I'm being more honest with Dom and Jimmy than with parishioners, or vice versa. It it's gives in- us easier penances. Yeah. Oh wait, was I not supposed to say that? Yeah. Yeah. No. That, 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 make, make everybody think that I give hard penances. That's fine. No, I'm kidding. But uh, no, it, it's. It, it's such a, oh, the, you show the real you with the doctor's like, no, she could be showing the real you with you or real her with you while also showing different elements of who she is with the doctor. Well, frankly, she should be different with her boyfriend than she is with the doctor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. I think that he'd want that. Um, I, I, I mean, do like was, this there moment. Was the, oh, sorry. There, there was the element, okay. though, of her, you know, she would she would obviously cover up. She would lie about what she was doing. And I, I mean, that's clear. That's more, I think, what they're trying to say is. You know, yeah. I want to see the honest you, not just the, you know, the real you. Oh, right. But. Honest. So and early on, the doctor doesn't realize that Danny is the boyfriend. All he knows is that the boyfriend is another teacher at the school, that Clara's boyfriend is another teacher at the school. And that's why when you mentioned that the, the, the uh, teacher that looks like Matt Smith, the doctor thinks, oh, she must be, you know, uh, you know carrying a torch for the old me. And therefore, she's dating this lookalike. And he's very, she, Clara says his name is Adrian. Mm-hmm. And they're having some kind of discussion about the Tempest, Shakespeare's yep. play or something yeah. like that. Um, and the doctor is flattered to think that, that she's kind of <laughs> secretly carrying this torch for his previous self. Yeah. And then later, when, and he even tells her that he approves of her boyfriend and that he, remind, he says he reminded me of a certain dashing young time traveler. Meaning, from his point of view, Matt Smith. Right. But right. because it's Danny who looks just like Orson Pink, from Clara's perspective, that line means 
the doctor thinks that Danny reminds him of a certain young time traveler, Orson Pink. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and then when it becomes clear that, no, Clara meant Danny and not Adrian, she's like, ooh, Adrian is just a friend and not my type. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, ouch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and the doctor didn't even recognize that Orson Pink and Danny Pink looks very look the same. The, exactly like the same. First, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, the, the, also, he tells Clara. I mean, no, he's d- referring to Danny. He's a PE teacher. You wouldn't go out with a PE teacher. You've made a boyfriend mistake. Meaning, <laughs> yeah. Adrian really still is her boyfriend. She's just <laughs> confused and mistaken that Danny Pink is her boyfriend. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, there's a there's a, a scene soon after that where Clara's yelling at some boys for playing uh, football on the uh, the giant chessboard and u- using it for for football and the, which is positioned so that students must walk through any chess game being played. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, not a good idea. Weird spot. Uh, so when he, when the the doctor sees her doing this and he starts whistling uh, Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall yep. Part Two, yeah. which is yep. teacher, leave nice. those kids alone. <laughs> yeah, we don't need no education. I love that they just throw that in there. They let they, if you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, you don't you don't get it. Yep. There's another there's another one that I didn't get on first watch when I first saw this episode, and I only got this later. Which is there's like some graffiti on a window that the doctor wipes off that says mm. Ozzy loves the squatty. Yep. And I didn't get it. Oh, Oswald loves the soldier. Like yep. the squat, yeah. a squatty yep. is a soldier. So yeah, that's and and Courtney. I, I keep wanting to call her Courtney Brown, and it's not. It's Courtney Wood. Yeah. Courtney Brown is someone else. Yeah. Um. But uh, but Courtney keeps torturing um, Clara by saying Ozzy loves the squatty or love to the squatty or things like yep. that. And <laughs> it hasn't yet clicked for Clara just how obvious her relationship with Danny is to the students. Right. Right. Yes. So the the teachers always the last to realize that the kids know. And the parents. Let's just be upfront up with that. Uh, so this is when we we encounter the Scovox Blitzer, that uh, an, a uh, unfortunate police officer, community police officer, I, th- I think he is, um, runs into it in an abandoned building. And it's kind of a. It is a battle droid. It looks something like the ones in Phantom Menace, but it's kind of a metal man crab centaur. Right? Yeah. If you can, it's got like the top half that's sort of like a man's body, and then. The bottom half is kind of like a crab, and it's all made out of metal and skitters around and shoots people. And, of course, I, it can destroy the entire planet because... Yeah. Oh, because of course it can. <laughs> it, is, it is much more effective than the battle droids in Phantom Menace, though. <laughs> it manages to kill someone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it does actually kill someone. Uh, yeah, although after that, it can't shoot the uh, uh, the side of a barn. Uh, it misses everything. Um, so then we have... Uh, the the curious and observant Danny notices the doctor's time minds that he's been setting up around the school as a trap and <laughs> stumbles into the doctor's confrontation with the Blitzer having disrupted the time minds, uh, which are, they look like little um, Wi-Fi access points that he's been placing yep. all over, which he should have mm-hmm. just disguised them as because uh, even in 2013, that would have worked. And uh, so he just stumbles into this confrontation with the Blitzer. And Clara committed to keeping this everything secret, even after the thing blasts a stack of chairs behind Danny that he had to like dive yeah. away from, is trying to insist it's it's all a play and the blitzer disappeared in the time vortex via a trick of the lights. 
He's like, what am I, an idiot? I, I, you know, yeah. I, 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 I'm not that dumb. You think I'm stupid. And he says, you're from space, aren't you? And that now I know who he, meaning the doctor, is, is your space dad. <laughs> I like that. Are you a space woman? Is that your space dad? Because yeah. uh, a, a nice acknowledgement of Doctor Who's penchant for everything is a space something, like space yep. flu and that sort of stuff. Well, I like that. It's like, he's an alien. I'm still from Blackpool, though. You know, so <laughs> right, like, no, I'm right. still from Earth. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were from Blackpool. And uh, so she... So Clara trying to satisfy Danny, you know, to, to let him know that, no, I'm really, you know, I'm really who you think I am all the time. She gives him this watch that uh, the doctor vet that uh, had that makes you invisible. Uh, although I like it when she gives it to Danny, he complains that it's not even a ring, a reference to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, that doesn't go well. That ends with the doctor knows that Danny is there, even though he's invisible. And then we have that whole confrontation over the doctor being an officer. Uh, that was a very tense scene. I have to say, I mean, mm-hmm. it was very mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I did not envy Clara <laughs> at all in that yeah. circumstance. Yeah. And Danny really antagonizes the doctor to the point that the doctor is so mad. He's just like, even though he's clearly falling into Danny to Danny's trap mm-hmm. of assuming the role of an officer. He's just like, yes, he's he just confirms right, for Danny yes. that, yes, he is in this superior position and and so forth, even though he knows that he's playing into Danny's hands rhetorically in front of Clara. Yeah. And wow, it's 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 both he and Danny are really getting in each other's face in this scene. Well, yeah. and Danny, Danny ramps up the is that your order, sir? You know. That kind of thing, yeah. He just really, he just ramps it up, and you, you know, you're an officer, sir. I'm going to follow your orders, sir. You know, yeah. Danny's like, oh ho, Time Lord might have known. <laughs> the accent's yeah. good, but you can always spot the aristocracy. Mm. It's in the attitude. <laughs> yeah, there's kind of, kind of, you know. Now that I think about it, um, Danny is doing something that has a precedent in military history, um, where if Junior. Uh, folks are unhappy with an officer's performance they may treat him in such a way that they they use military formalities to mm-hmm. torture him yep mm. i i'm remembering an example of this it's in a book called rifles for weighty which is it was it's set in the time of the civil war the american civil war um, and it's actually set in like my hometown area, so we mm-hmm. they had us read it in school. But <laughs> I think the term that they used was um, running an officer. But what basically like what they would do is all of the soldiers who were mad at an officer would encounter him and immediately salute him for it r- repeatedly in a sequence. Oh yeah, so that. He's forced to, he he can't do anything but salute people back because Mm -hmm. he's required to salute when he's saluted. And if you force him to be constantly saluting, you're using military formalities to torture him. And that's kind of what Danny is doing to the doctor here. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's still very much a thing. That's still very much a thing. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, if you, you happen to be like at tech school in the air force, you know, you're, you're, you've got your, your, your flight together, your group together. And if there's an officer who is, you know, rather uh, difficult, they would purposely space out about, oh, 20, 30 feet apart so that he'd have to constantly be popping salutes as they're walking by. <laughs> and they would space and, out far enough where he'd drop the salute and then have to salute again. 
you, you, uh, you and you can't be punished for it because you're following military protocol. Exactly. You're not doing anything wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Danny also has a line in this scene too, which he says uh, to Clara, "I'm the one who carries you out of the fire. He's the one who lights it." And frankly, that's exactly what happens in this episode. Mm-hmm. The doctor get, is the one who gets not just Clara, but the entire school and the entire planet. You know, let's face it. You know, into the but the the school into this danger from the Blitzer. And Danny's the one who saves the day, you know, uh, and he, so he, he recognizes it. By leaping over the yeah. <laughs> the droid in a physically impossible way. Superhero yeah, unless, Danny. Unless you have a, a trampoline, which I'm sure the, uh, the stuntman Stunt man. had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a very, right out of a Marvel movie uh, there. Uh, and we get to see it in slow motion. <laughs> yes, because of course you do. Yep. Uh, as but the, we uh the blister came back early. The doctor said it would be seventy four hours. It was supposed to be sent a billion years into the future and be somebody else's problem. Uh, but instead he sent it seventy four hours because Danny messed things up. And then it comes back even earlier, less than twenty four hours. And uh, so the like you said, the doctor has to pretend to be its general, uh, you know, its its artificer to uh, to get it to shut down. Um, I, I, my note is Danny does a PE leap over it, which is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then we get the, the scene where the doctor under the Danny understands the doctor's anger is because as he says to Clara, because Danny might not be good enough for Clara. That's he, he kind of, it's an olive branch to the doctor sort of, uh, let's, let's, uh, uh, not mo- mollify or modify or you know tamp down our Find disagreement. Find a modus vivendi, right? Right. Thank you for the sake of Clara, who we both value. By you know, saying, okay, what you're really upset about is, is I might not be good enough for Clara, and so we'll just agree to try to get along for the sake of Clara. That- and Clara points out to the doctor, he did just save the world, and to which the doctor <laughs> says, "Good start." <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. The the doctors will get a, a leg up on him there. Uh, so uh, it, it, it did kind of sound like you know mommy and daddy getting along for the sake of the kids, basically. Right, right. Or a boyfriend and dad, you know, getting along yep. to, for the sake of the of the of the girlfriend. The doctor takes Courtney to space because she's been nosing around the the uh, the custodial room there, the, uh, the 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 custodian space where the TARDIS was. Uh, in fact, at one point, uh, he, she says she introduces herself as. Oh, disruptive influence, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the doctor goes, ooh, nice to meet you. Like, he's, well, yeah. that sounds like a really nice, uh, a good name. <laughs> I, I, I like how when she comes in, so she's back in his janitor area, whatever it's called in a British school. Mm-hmm. And he's got the TARDIS there. And he's actually gone inside the TARDIS, but left the door open and inside this larger room where there are all these janitorial mm-hmm. supplies. And there's a green glow. He's doing some something in the TARDIS to try to find the, the droid. And something's glowing green. And Courtney comes in and sees the green glow. And she she's here on a mission, she says, because there's been a spillage in some class and she needs paper towels to clean it up. And, it, and it's interesting that phrase, a spillage, we wouldn't say that right. here in America. Mm. Uh, we would either say someone threw up. Or, um, you know, there's been a spill or, or something like or, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the doctor com- immediately comes out of the TARDIS and says, get out of here. What did you, can't you read? And she says, read what? The sign on the window. And he's put a, w- a sign in the window. It says, keep out. 
And she says, no, it says, go away, humans. <laughs> and the doctor seizes it and looks at it and says, yes, it does say, go away, humans. And he mutters to himself, never lose your temper in the middle of a door sign. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically always for the doctor, he's losing his temper. Now, now this uh, is now when, when, when he takes Courtney out to space, he does it for the purpose of kicking off the blitzer into space. Mm-hmm. Yep. He takes this schoolgirl with this dangerous robot in the TARDIS <laughs> to kick it yeah. out into space. Yeah. Not the most wise idea, even if it's deactivated. <laughs> yeah, the doctor. He, he at, at, at one point, he is told before that, he has told Courtney the truth about the TARDIS when she says what it is. Because he tries to pass it off as his janitor's box and saying all janitors have these. And she mm-hmm. eventually deduces, of course, it's not. And he tells her the truth, that it's a time and space machine. And she says, cool, can I, can I go? And he says, because he's been having tensions with Clara, he says, well, not at the moment, but I may have an opening. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, of course, she's hanging out the door of the TARDIS in, in, over deep space. She uh, gets uh, motion sick and yep. uh, is going to vomit. And it's like, vomit out the door into space, not in the side yeah. of the TARDIS. <laughs> And uh, the doctor, what she, she, and then you hear her off screen, and then he goes, "There's been a spillage." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm so, guessing the TARDIS has auto cleaning. Yeah, uh, we could hope so. It's got uh, the TARDIS equivalent of Roombas. Uh, yeah. So Danny, meanwhile, back at Danny's apartment, uh, Danny and Clara having an evening, and he makes Clara promise that if the doctor ever pushes her too far, that she'll let him know, and if she if she doesn't they'll be finished. They'll, he'll break up with her. Uh, and I think that's, it's interesting, but kind of clueless in the fact of, yeah, Cla- <laughs> like at what point will Clara decide that, like she already goes with the doctor on these light death defying adventures and eventually will not defy death at one point in the future. Yep. And so like, she's already sh- clearly shown that she's a risk taker who doesn't know when too much risk is too, is too much. Uh, so, I just thought that was kind of interesting that he made so promise. I also thought it's it's like it's it's more controlling. Um, I mean, if I'm if, if their relationship is still pretty new, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. It, Clara did get to the point of saying out loud under duress that she loves Danny, mm-hmm. um, and that's a significant step. But to to make someone promise. At especially at this early stage of a relationship, that you will tell me if he's pushing you too far, and if not, we're through. It's like mm, that's not a good move at, yeah. at, at this stage of, at, at any stage of a relationship, but especially early on. You're not she has she doesn't owe you that much yet, mm-hmm. and and to and 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 his reason is that is creepy because. Uh, and because he says, because if you if you didn't tell me, then I wouldn't be able to protect you, and I can't stand the thought of not being able to protect you or something right. like that. And as um, dude, we're still at the casual dating stage, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. It's not clear how long they've been dating, but yeah, it's still relatively early days. It, yeah, I mean, they could you could headcanon it and say, oh, it's been in two years or yeah. something in Showtime, but. Not to the not to the viewer, it hasn't. Right. This guy, we've known this guy for less than five episodes. Right. And 
And let's be honest, if if the doctor did push her to that point, she would need him all the more. And he'd basically say, I'm going to abandon you. You know, she would need his right. help to recover from whatever it was she got pushed to. Yeah, he he starts it off by saying, like, I know I, I know men like him and I've served under them. In other words, officers that he's mm-hmm. served under, uh, they push you and make you stronger till you're doing things you never thought you could. And he says, I saw you tonight. You did exactly what he told you. You weren't even scared and you should have been. And and, and maybe he's seeing something in Clara that scares him a bit. Like, mm-hmm. why? Are you, like, you're not you don't behave normally. And maybe this is him sort of putting a foot out the door a little bit, you know, uh, uh, subconsciously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a getting ready to have a reason to to, to leave mm-hmm. her. Of course, we never get that chance because they do something completely stupid by the end of the season, but we're not there yet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, so after that scene, we get the they're they're kind of in a way playing ro- playing Danny as kind of a new Rory mm-hmm. because you've got Clara and Amy as the adventurous one who goes off with the doctor and. Rory slash Danny as the grounded everyman who, um, who, you know, is kind of on the other end Mm. of the relationship. And, and I, I, I think it ultimately was played better in the case of Amy and Rory than it is with Clara and Danny. Yeah. Rory got the show as the show developed, Rory became a really interesting focus to the point yes. that he was now the the audience surrogate instead of Amy. Um and the audience, you know, was viewing starting to view episodes through his eyes more than Amy's eyes. And so this this role can be done very effectively. It was done effectively in the case of Rory and they're trying to do it with Danny. I don't think as successfully. Um Danny's emotional intelligence may not be as high as Rory's. Yeah. I think also uh, it although, worked better. Uh, good. Although what Danny has that Rory doesn't is Danny is more assertive going it naturally than Rory. Mm-hmm. That was one of Rory's flaws was he was too much of a doormat for Amy. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I think what it worked with Rory that didn't work with Danny in that sense is Danny is way too competent. You know, Rory's mm-hmm. lack of assertiveness and competence made him uh, the the underdog that you root for uh, from the audience point of view. Whereas he doesn't feel controlling of Amy because he who could control Amy? She's a force of nature, you know. And <laughs> so this and Rory just didn't have that. Whereas Danny feels more controlling. He feels you know the the, the yeah. Clara is being controlled. He, he well, and he's his solution is to try to control Clara in return. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's a good look. Uh, I mean, I like Danny. What I don't mm-hmm. like is the way they're is. I don't like some of these individual things they're doing with Danny. Yeah. And I especially don't like what they do with him later, where they essentially throw the character off a cliff. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, especially after building up so much with him. Yeah. With Rory, I mean, Rory was very competent in his field whenever there was something medical that needed to be done. You know, mm-hmm. as a as an RN, Rory could do it. Um, but he's he is definitely not as assertive as Danny. Yeah. Yep. I think the I, I mean, the ideal would be somewhere, I guess, between the two characters. Mm. So the episode ends with another um, Missy sighting where mm. she doesn't actually say anything in this one. We just see her. But the we have the policeman who died at the hands of the Blitzer. 
getting an uh, uh, intake interview with a guy named Seb, who tells him new, new character, new character, uh, who who we get a little bit more information. Uh, you know, where am I? Uh, and he says, you know, take your pick. It, it was some called the afterlife, the promised land. I'm partial to the nether sphere. And that's the word that we're going to get uh, mm-hmm. later on is the nether sphere. And uh, well, it, it confirms to us one thing that hell is an endless corporate office. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and that's where it ends. So any last thoughts, Father Corey? Uh, one thing there's, it's kind of a quick line, but the reason why the, 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 the Skovox uh, was called, was drawn to the school is because of the Artron emissions that there are lots of them over the years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, Artron <laughs> emissions are time Lord emissions. And that means the doctor had been there a lot. Yes. The, the doctor has been hanging around that school a lot. Uh, Jimmy, final thoughts? Nope. All right. Well, we, I promised some feedback, and here it is. We have feedback from our recent episode 283 on The Mask of Mandragora, the fourth Doctor story. This came from Mark Romer on Facebook, who uh, writes in, In the novelization of this story, it's made clear that the Doctor had a grounding wire attached to his breastplate. However, the wire melted just before the last lightning blast, so the Doctor had to take that one directly. We had been talking about uh, you know, why the the doctor ends up getting blasted, even though he's got this breastplate on, etc. Yeah, and it could be that um, that in the novelization, the author and the, the the guys who wrote the novelizations were frequently writers from the show. Um, but it could be the guy who wrote the novelization brought out something that was in the script, but didn't make it effectively on screen. Or it could be what a lot of the novelization authors did, which was retcon things that did make it on screen and try to provide a sensible explanation. <laughs> Fixing things, yes. Yep. Yep. Great. So thank you, Mark, for your feedback. We appreciate that. We, As we wrap things up, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Anne-Marie S., Joe K., Kenneth W., Emily F., and Jim W., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode for us. So that's it from us. What did you think of this 12th Doctor episode, The Caretaker? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or The Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing something special, a big finish story, big finish audio story starring Missy called The Broken Clock. So you'll, you'll be sure to want to check that out before then. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is from Missy set one from Big Finish. And it is an awesome story. I really love this one. Looking it, forward it includes to it. Michelle Gomez, of course, doing the voice work. And it, yeah, we, we've played snippets from it in, in previous episodes. Uh, you know, just little lines here and there. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you. I've got to go prevent the catharsis of spurious morality. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, you only really know what someone thinks of you when you know what lies they've told you. Or do you? 